This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. continuously manifest our circumstances from stuck feelings. The world then mirrors back our blind spots so that sooner or later we become more self-aware, says Chris Surik. Valeria Tellez interviews him, Chris Surik, the author of Be You, The Journey of Self-Realization. Chris has a passion for turning sophisticated topics into accessible, meaningful, and inspiring experiences. With an extensive background in design, psychology, and tech, he has spearheaded empathy-based design in education and business environments alike. In private, Chris enjoys meditating, playing tennis, and writing music. He resides in Los Angeles, California. Meet Chris at Zurich.com. Here is the interview with Chris Zurich. In your own words, who is Chris Sarek today? Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> that's a great way to kick it off because who I am today is different from who I was yesterday. And, and you know, so much of that is how we experience ourselves in the moment. But ultimately, the moment is all there is. All there is and then all that's real. And to be connected to ourselves as much as possible, to our senses, our sensations, to feel life passing through us. That's who we are. And then we have this other kind of conditioned part of us, the mind-made identity of, you know, who we're raised to think we are, who the world wants us to be, and so forth. And and that's all head. That's a mental kind of identity. And we get lost in that. And it's really never in alignment with our inner truth <laughs> because it's kind of, you know, there's no connection to the situation, the circumstances, the the experience of now and who we think up there is is kind of not so important. So who we are right now is the most important thing. And and uh, all I can say is um, I do have a name. I was given a name, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for communication purposes. And um, but I'm feeling myself as a alive being, and I do things. Right, and the things I do are secondary. They're an expression of who I, of what my inner truth, uh, you know calls me to do. So I'm I'm not an author, but I think of myself not an author, but I think of myself as I write books and then and mm. I uh share and I um, you know I I help and I I spread a a certain message and just the confidence of of that I have in myself is hopefully inspiring to others. So I steer away from the labels of who I am, but uh, more of how I feel and how I participate in this amazing experience of life. I love everything you 
speak about the things that, yeah, that comes, that flows through you, really, as I said, off record. Mm -hmm. When we spoke the last for the last time last year, I believe, mm -hmm. something about you, it never left me. It um, was very powerful, that, that impression of truth, of groundness, of, of love, really. I want to thank you for being open to life. The question that comes to me is, how did you come to this open, expanded view of yourself, Chris? Mm. So that's a great question. I've had my kind of ups and downs experiences of, of life, just like everyone else. And maybe what has given me a leg up is, uh, well, we come in baked a certain way. And I don't know how much control you know, I had over that, but that's part of that is just my nature. But it didn't feel as very fortunate back then. But in, in my youth, I moved around a lot I, uh, between cultures, many languages, and uh, a certain sense of rootlessness and struggled a lot with that. It, it, it depressed me greatly. But, uh, you know, this not being able to fit in. But then with time and with perspective, you recognize, well, that also allowed me to stay more independent in my views and my perspectives, my experience of life. I was not indoctrinated so much into one way of thinking, one way of living. And so uh, as a result of that, I, I could hold more than one truth as true at, at the same time. And because it is, you know, anyone who travels a lot, for example, can see, well, this is how things are done here. This is how things are done there. And, and so it's all right. It's all good. It's all true. There's nothing right or wrong, ultimately. And so um, growing up in that way really helped me, you know, later as I then gained the experience of expressing my truth, and then you kind of slip into teacher roles and so forth. And it became clear that all of that kind of uh, was my path. It, that was a kind of process, a moment in time, right? It happened little by little. Yes. And, and that's, oh my gosh. And that's probably why when we live through the mind, we, we struggle so much is because we don't really see uh, that those moments we're, we're, we're looking for outcomes. We're looking for big, mm. uh, you know, tangible events that are, you know, are just kind of jump out at us. And the change in the process that you describe of, of living is really a, a momentary process. It's moment to moment. And we have to, that's what, you know, presence is all about is, is, narrowing our focus down to really experiencing and feeling what is happening right now and because what's happening right now is the best indicator of you know the way you feel right now is how you will feel in the next moment <laughs> mm, so true boy it's so true and i can clearly see that like hosting these conversations which i love when they end it's just amazing how they're flavor stays in me and I just pass on to my husband, to my dog and people I meet. <laughs> it's amazing how it just flows. You said something interesting just now about having a sense of right and wrong. With that in mind, I would love to talk to you for a moment about the current situation of our reality with the war between Russia and Ukraine. I usually don't talk about current events or anything that has to do with politics. But for some reason, I feel compelled and called to at least ask a question to my guests. Mm -hmm. So talk to me for a moment about that, from that perspective, that there's no right and wrong. Yeah. So I, you know, often people ask me, what do I think of this? What do I think of that? They Essentially, they want my opinion. Yeah. And my response is always the same is, is I'm, I'm not here to tell you what I think. 
I know what I think according to my inner truth, but the idea is to hear your own inner voice, is to connect to your own truth, because that truth, and this spills into the right or wrong topic, your inner truth does not clash with the truth of others. It's the mental truth that is based on comparison, and then you get, get defensive if somebody else thinks differently. It's, it's just the mind is kind of this analytical tool, and that's, that's how it works. It's not a bad thing. It's just how it works. But if we use that kind of tool to try and solve world affairs and getting along with each other and so forth, then that's where conflict happens because <laughs> um, you know, everyone wants to be right in their minds. But this inner truth of connecting with you know, this flow it doesn't need others to, it feels so right. It feels so good once you understand and you feel it and you tap into it. You w- actually want everyone else to have their inner truth as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and whatever that truth may be, doesn't even matter. Ah, <laughs> just you want right. them to be connected and in the flow. And what comes from that is, is generally just goodness and unity and love. The mind-made truth that creates separateness, separation and, and conflict. So this idea of right or wrong just completely falls away. It's just, you step into your power of who you are. And that in and of itself is, <laughs> is the purpose of our existence. Do you believe that that's enough, though, becoming aware of our inner truth? Because I have found that there's also another component to that, which is becoming aware of that and then embodying that inner truth, which is a different process in a way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and I always talk about the, um, you know, coming out of reactivity, getting to a place of equanimity and connecting with your sensations to be able to hear your inner voice. That's part one. <laughs> part two, exactly yeah. as you, as you, and which is often missed in many of the other teachings and inspiration sources. Then the, you have to take action. In fact, there's a, there's an intrinsic mechanism to truth only. Truth requires movement. So you can sit on the couch and meditate all day long. <laughs> and and it, it kind of it may break things up. It may allow you to create some calmness and awareness in the doing, in the getting up and walking and moving, that the real nuggets of truth and inner wisdom, they surface, they come out, they come to the surface. We have to do. We have to get off the couch and start doing. And for those who don't want to sit on the couch and meditate mm-hmm. you know, every day, the doing with awareness, doing can almost kind of have the same effect in that if you're not doing for outcomes, but doing for the sake of doing, meaning you're required to feel your, your body and, and experience yourself in the doing, and that requires for you to be present. And in that presence, the truth kind of reveals itself of this resonates and that doesn't resonate. And this is uh, I'm aligned with and this is what I'm not so aligned with. And you just have to you know, break it down into small enough bits, which the beautiful part of that is that then everything becomes easy. On top of all of this, right, there's these big discussions about inner truth and so forth. But just scaling things down. They seem so, everything can be overwhelming if we think too big picture, right? But if we scale it down to, okay, now I'm just tying my shoelaces. If that's easy. I can totally do that. Or and now I'm packing my, you know, folding my clothes to put them in the suitcase and so forth. So instead of this big overwhelming trip that you might have to take, uh, who knows what waits on the other end, and, but you're just scaling it down to what feels easy, light, and simple. And that's how we do and that's how we keep doing and keep going because otherwise the mind will jump in and talk 
ourselves out of it before we know it. So true. And I think I mentioned this off record too, about how simple your teachings, everything you do, it kind of um, comes to me as simplicity. It's translated that way. So I love the way you have become the message of what you believe in or what is in you. So that's really beautiful because it comes across that way. Simply. Oh, that's very kind. That's so sweet. And, and since you asked about my path earlier, that's what is something I struggled with when I you know, became interested in just kind of life turned me inward and I was more reflective and figuring myself out. And a lot of the stuff I saw and read was the language was so foreign to me, it kind of got in the way of the wisdom. I wanted the Mm. wisdom, but I didn't understand the vocabulary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. So yeah, so BU is written, and I guess I talk that way as well, in in very pedestrian, simple terms. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Thank you, Chris, because that really, really helps. I want to mention your book that we talked about last time, BU, The Journey of Self-Realization. It's a beautiful, powerful, empowering book. And so many of the messages also stayed with me. And I have lots of them here, which I'll be probably making comments about and asking you questions today. Mm-hmm. And the main topic is the secret design of life. So I have a few more questions. But before that, let me ask you another open question. How do you define true power these days? True power? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the obvious answer is to be you. <laughs> yeah. The journey is to how to get there. And of course, we are already ourselves. I mean, we just have these layers of conditioned beliefs and inherited low frequencies that we just need to work through to get to that core of who we already are. So it's not becoming somebody we're not. It's not taking classes to leave an old self behind so much as it is to really um, release the stuck feelings that are in the way of realizing who we truly are. So in that self-realization, the power, and it's a beautiful open-ended question, by the way, because you know, what is power? But So I would probably define power as the ability to participate in the flow of things coming and going, right? Life uh, showing up as it is. We don't judge it. We don't cling to the the things we like and resist the things we don't like, but rather we experience it. And then we experience the next moment and the next. And so that is a participation in the flow of life that ultimately then we realize we're co-creators because things that come through us, they surface desire to participate in us and desire to participate in the situation in a way that is good for the situation but we realize that it's also good for, for us. It's our purpose. It's we're co-creating. And so this, um, I write somewhere in the book, is what's good for the situation or stepping into your power, your, your true self, is a shift from thinking what's good for you to shifting to what's good for the situation because what's mm. good for the situation is mm. also good for us. Right. We are the situation, right? So Because ah, everything's connected, right? So yes. true. I can see that. Yes. Um, it seems like the most challenging practice is the non-judgmental practice in the sense of not taking sides and kind of staying neutral and like flowing with the situation and finding that power, the power in that. Uh, how do we learn to do that? Like for me, it has been an amazing practice, uh, but at the same time, it's something that I have in the way let go of trying to think that I'm practicing to be me or to be in the moment. And instead of just kind of 
being free enough to just flow with whatever is here. Even if I judge or don't judge, it's okay too. So there's something about almost like accepting everything, even mm. the things that are unacceptable. Yes. So that's beautiful. Uh, what you're describing, I call experiencing, experiencing. Ah, right. So, so we're aware of the experiencing, which is uh, someone asked me recently of, you know, they're a meditator and they get into the state of peace and calm and bliss and whatnot. And then life happens or they come out of it and go back to work and, and they lose that feeling. And the question was, you know, how to maintain that? And so that is a stage. It's great to achieve, you know, a, a state of calm and be able to have the tools to come out of reactivity um, and then be able to handle a situation level, you know, with a level head. But it's only a stage. The next level up really is to allow all sensations, all experiences, all feelings to be what they are. That's a type of peace and calm that is far greater than, mm. than kind of one that we almost is an outcome, right? We then seek, we sit down to meditate just to seek that outcome of calm. Well, the allowing everything to come and go, everything pass, it's above everything. It encompasses your entire experience of life. And it's allowing life to flow. As you, right, Chris? Yes. Yeah. yes, yes Not yes, just yes. in you, but <laughs> as you. Yeah, I trust that. There's something about trust that comes into play every time I see myself reacting or responding to anything that it's feeling something in here doesn't like. I kind of uh, trust that too. Like, yeah. okay, this is happening, not for a reason, but it just is. The trust is the natural state. And the distrust is the kind of the mental, the separate, the, when, when, we're, when we feel ourselves as separate from life, from nature, you know, from the flow. You know, the more time we spend nurturing uh, the equanimity and to your question earlier is, is, there's two parts to this is one is to become aware but then in practice to apply that awareness and applying that awareness does take i mean it took me years and years and years to a very dedicated practice to slowly gradually come out of the reactivity that i was in before and i think that we're all in that we get conditioned by the world around us to react constantly Everything is evoking judgment from us, right or wrong, disagree, agree, uh, believe in this, don't believe in this, and I'm for this, I'm, I'm against that. Just, we're raised with this noise of eliciting a response from us. So to come out of that is going to take some work. Uh, <laughs> right. And, and that's probably the big hurdle for many people. Um, but uh, it's absolutely possible. It can be done. And, and once you kind of figure something out that works for you, you know, it's good to stick with it, not to keep jumping around between things that consistency is a necessary component of it, at least for a while. And then you reap the when you see, when you feel yourself being non-reactive, being allowing to a situation that you used to react to, you feel that trust that you're speaking about, the conviction that, that this is the right way to go. This is you that's coming out. This noise is subsiding and it's actually a, a deeper truth that is taking hold. And so it, it then reinforces itself and it's hard to ever go back once you've kind of 
have that awareness. And then once you've implemented, integrated that awareness, new challenges will always come up and new blind spots Bye. <laughs> uh, yeah. will surface uh. all the time. Sometimes <laughs> you think you're, you know, in a good spot and then this massive blind <laughs> spot shows up. <laughs> right. And uh, so it's not about, <laughs> so again, yeah, it's not about thinking you have to get somewhere or you're setting, but just keep doing, keep doing it, keep staying present, keep working on yourself, and then you will become who you are meant to be. Another question I have for you is the, um, have you found the connection between spirituality and science when it comes to the nature of life fundamentally? Yeah, so wonderful, wonderful question. And I do write about it in the book extensively. So understanding how things work is, this is almost a quote, just because I've, I've read it so many times uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and for others as well. And, and I go back and look, look things up for myself. What did I say about that? But uh, the, you know, understanding how things work, how the molecule functions and, and behaves is wonderful. It's great. But appreciating how it got those qualities in the first place is beyond comprehension. Mm, yeah. So we can't understand that piece. What we can understand and use our minds for, it's great, knowledge is wonderful, but if it becomes a truth onto itself, then it can distort, you know, the mind can use anything to justify any course of action and the intellect alone has no conscience. Mm. Yeah, but when we go to a place of science in context of a, a greater wonder and awe and reverence that for the sheer existence of it all, then that is our, our kind of our altar on which we live and we stay in gratitude. We see data for what it is, not as a purpose to then justify some agenda. So yeah, again, inner truth, inner alignment is alignment with life. It's only has love. Love is at the core of everything, right? So it has that infused in, in everything that you then do as a result of that. I love the way you said it earlier about holding many truths too, when mm. we're able to do that. Uh, it seems that we are there in a sense of freedom, not in a sense of destination. Yes. Oh my gosh. And that freedom is, there's so much relief when we come out of the judging mind. It's this constant having to believe things, right? Beliefs, all beliefs, you know, right or wrong, left or right, it doesn't matter. They are a, a weight, a burden, on pure being and pure experiencing, they drown out our inner voice, really. That's what cuts us off, is all this constant thinking. What comes to me is the going back to being in the present moment and how simple it is. So when we really get to appreciation that you spoke of and gratitude of what is happening as it happens right now, it is. I don't have any words to describe. Like, what is this? <laughs> it's incredible. It's like silence kind of takes center stage. No more words. And then you're just like in awe. Yes, yeah. And another thing that happens that I have found through my own experience is that then doesn't matter how other people behave. Sometimes they behave in a way that's annoying, that could be annoying <laughs> to anyone. But it's uh, what I see, what it sees uh, through me, it's... Um, just the organism, like this energy doing something that is um, kind of hurting itself. And then in a way, almost like compassion or kindness arises and a feeling of compassion, which is really interesting to watch that too. How yeah. life is incredibly supportive of itself, right, Chris? It's the most beautiful thing. Oh my gosh, that's a beautiful, beautiful insight. Yeah, it, it uh, we, we become, you know, through this, some people might, 
see uh, self-care and self-love as a as a selfish thing. I get those comments on you know social media now and then. Somebody, no, it's um, you got to love your children first or your partner first. Yes, you should absolutely love them, but you need to love yourself first. But what well, that's the root at the root of that is um, the um, when you realize that, and and this really every thought is an interruption of flow. If you've spent enough. Uh, time with yourself and in silence, as you say, and so forth, you, you realize that every thought is an interference, um, of, of being, and we have all kinds of thoughts all day long, heavy thoughts, light thoughts, but lots of them, you know? And, and so we're hurting ourselves really by, by just thinking so much. It has its place for, you know, organizational matters and so forth. And, and for having a light conversation, we have language and, you know, it's fun. We're talking about deep things here, obviously, but there's a lightness about it. Right. right? Yeah. Right. 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 That's correct. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's lightness, playfulness about it. Um, I know we were supposed to talk about the secret design of life. And I think you have been already kind of unfolding kind of talking about this topic but when I looked at it you sent it to me the topic the secret design of life and then the question was does life have a design yeah Yeah. okay (laughs) yeah that's the question (laughs) so so you're absolutely right we have actually we've already been talking about (laughs) the secret design of life this entire time (laughs) and but what's so remarkable is it's not actually secret we're all participating in it we're all a part of it and it's just the are we aware of it or not the secret really refers to when we're not aware of it it feels like you know what's happening here the what is the world doing to me and i want this and now all the changes happened and and you're in constant you know resistance and struggle and roller coaster right but uh, when you come out of the secret part of it, where you become aware of, no, that's actually how it works. <laughs> and, that, and that's not only how life works, but it actually has your full realization at heart. It is designed to make you a deeper, wiser, more compassionate person. Mm. You know, so much of what we just talked about. Then you cut the secrecy veil is lifted. And then you just see what remains is the actual design of life. And it's quite remarkable. Would you say that the design, it's also the same thing as having a purpose or the purpose? Or this is something different? The idea of purpose, it's different from the design? Purpose is part of the design. The bigger design is that we basically see a world through our internal makeup. That's our reality, Uh, like we said earlier, a million people in the exact same situation will have a million different takes and responses to it. And why is that? Well, there's different energetic composition in every single one of us. And that composition to a large part, if not all part, is are these layers, these onion layers of conditioned beliefs, of blind spots, of unconscious energy. There's endless combinations of that, <laughs> endless mm, layers. True. So everyone will see a different reality. But there's a cause and effect or even call and response, if you will, that the world then mirrors that back to us, meaning we're mm. actually manifesting our circumstances all the time. And we're manifesting them from, in large part, from our unconscious, unaware parts. So we create these situations that we cause issue or friction or you know problems and 
challenges and, and we think somehow that's or the mind will say life is doing that to us or it's other people's fault or so forth and but no 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 we're seeing what we believe in <laughs> and so the world mirrors this back and then we get to respond to that and if we just react and blame well then we're probably going to repeat that that same situation <laughs> over and over and over because the goal is to get to a point where like okay i'm reacting a certain way it's not working it's not changing i'm, I'm repeating these patterns over and over what can I do differently? And then slowly over time, um, we do start doing things. We try something else. Just little drops of awareness start to sink in and, and like, oh, this happened because I did this. Or this is the result of me thinking this way and, and so forth. And that's how the world is designed mm -hmm. to make us realize who we truly are. The world is in, not just out there, but the world within, right, Chris, oh, in our own minds. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. The world within is so much bigger than the world without. Wow, that message keeps coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> so awareness is the key ingredient. Would you say that even not being aware of the blind spots and so many conditions that we have, it's also part of the design? Everything is, right, part of that design. I mean, we're going really deep here. <laughs> Why is it like this in the first place? Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, that's part of the design. And, um, you know, I, it's not important really to understand. It's not important to understand anything, really. That's <laughs> uh, so it's true. Just, it's just, a, you know, it's important to experience it and feel it and, and, and see what resonates about it or, or what doesn't. What's really important is to recognize yourself in the situation. So in this design why is it this way? We could sit and ponder and, and philosophize, you know, forever. Mm -hmm. yes. But what's <laughs> much more helpful, and it's fun, and there's a place for it, but what's much more kind of practical and real is living it, right? Mm -hmm. Living in, in accordance with the rules, ultimately. These are the rules. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we can yeah. resist the rules, we can resist being ourselves, and we can keep trying to create and live for outcomes and, and steer and control people and places and things around us and want to bend the world to our will. We can keep doing that. It will drain you and it will make you, you know, unhappy and sick. Right. So, and that then tends to create change in us. Well, like, do I can't I gotta try something else this time. So recognizing what the rules are of this design, this, this, this game, if you will. Like, and that's really when it becomes playful. It's, it's like, wow, I, this is the world's a giant playground, and I get to play. We, we get to play with one another. <laughs> so we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, Chris, I want to thank you again for being open to life and being life itself. Thank you. I don't know if I can thank you because I don't know who you is, but <laughs> who the you is. Well, yeah, but, language will use it for what it is. <laughs> yes, right. Life. Ah. And another question that I have is, how do you meet new clients? How do they reach? How could they reach you through your website? Are there different ways of meeting you? Yeah, absolutely. So my website, Sirac.com. Follow me on Instagram, YouTube. I'm on TikTok now. Usually my handle is always Chris Rock across all the different platforms. So you can find me there and just reach out. And, you know, there's many messages. There's many teachings out there and see, you know, check it out and see what resonates. Different things resonate at different times. I'm in my own journey as well. I've gone through everything and everyone that's out there. And so that's part of the self-exploration process is to dig in and dive in and 
and find yourself. So um, I welcome you to check out my message, my, my book, obviously it's on Amazon and let your inner voice guide you from there. Yeah, that beautifully said. I love the openness <laughs> on letting life be in life, which you know it's part of the design, the, the nature of, of what is. Truly, truly, um, gosh, the word that comes to mind is beautiful because it is, isn't it? I don't, I don't think I can find... It's magical too. I think that's another word, magic. All of our beliefs are a limitation of the infinite. Everything is possible. Everything is possible un until we believe it isn't. Mm, and every single belief is a right. tiny little sliver of everything that's possible. So when we live through our the mental lens, we're living a very limited existence. And we feel small and separate and, and lonely. That's all of our kind of our uh, neurosis comes from being so isolated in our minds. And so when you come out, when you reduce that more and more, you just you just connect with this miracle. <laughs> mm, right. Yeah. yeah, and the paradox is that awareness itself, it's within the mind. Yes. I mean, not the head. It's not, a, it's not there. It's everywhere. But isn't it interesting how the mind is used? Everything is in the mind. When you say getting out of the mind, I was just thinking, where do I go? <laughs> and then because it seems like everything's created in the mind and the mind is this vast field of creation, of imagination, of um, everything that we feel is. Yeah. And I think that's really a shift from kind of older uh, perspectives where there was a lot of talk about ego. And so it's so important not to reject any part of yourself, uh, just right. the, the mind, the heart, the gut, whatever happened, there's, we can't place blame or judgment on anything. It's to accept oneself fully. That's how the, or and accept the, the current situation fully is mm. that's how we move through it. That's how we release it. Uh, and then that's how we move to the next. What is another word for life? I love this question for some reason. So I use the word life a lot in the book because it's uh, life, life force. I stay away from potentially antagonizing uh, language that is more specific to, let's say, spirituality, like universe yeah. or you know God or these things. And yeah. part of what we mentioned earlier is this idea of just keeping it pedestrian because we don't want to put up roadblocks with words that might trigger some people in one way or another. So life is a beautiful, beautiful kind of neutral term. I don't know if I would replace it mm, uh, with, right, <laughs> with, with right. anything. Uh, yeah, no replacement for life. I love yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Oh, wow. Well, two of them we're all going to have for sure. <laughs> <laughs> which is to come into the body, to be born, yeah. and then the, the great finale, the, the exit mm -hmm. of leaving the body. So those are the two experiences that mm -hmm. I, I don't just need to wish for everyone to have because they're going to have it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. But then there's Sorry. the in-between, right? The part of self-realization, the journey of embracing the journey. It changes everything, changes your perspectives, changes how you live. It changes how you wake up in the morning and how you look out on the day. Mm. It's how you treat yourself, how you treat others. Everything shifts when you become true to yourself and the blueprint mm. that lives within. So mm. even just a little piece of that in one's lifetime is worth every uh, bit of uh, blood, sweat and tears and pain and suffering and uh, whatever has to happen for that to emerge is worth it because that's ultimately what we're here for.
I love that, what you said about the journey, because by realizing who we are or what life is throughout the journey, the beginning and end kind of disappears too. It's not here anymore. Like in my case, I don't see a beginning or an end. Yes. And, and that's really what happens. Again, the mind keeps us in the state of separation, separateness, labeling something, even calling a tree a tree. Yeah, You're yeah. subconsciously saying, I'm over here and the tree's over there. And so it's a little sense of separateness. And we do that you know, hundreds and thousands of times every day uh-huh. Uh-huh. of, of uh-huh. D- defining things, labeling things. So separateness, separateness, separateness all around. And so to come out of this judging mind, it decreases the separateness. You get closer to unity that you're being with things. You're in the presence of the tree and, and the presence, the tree can feel your presence as well. And, and you can feel that then. And so that really moves us to unity. And that's also when you experience yourself as continuous. And uh, yes, a miracle that you're born. It's actually a miracle to then exit the mm. body. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just an unbelievable way to go, right? It's more exciting than being born because you take a more realized version of yourself into it. So that's exciting. <laughs> I know. And we don't need to leave the body in order to experience that unity, right? Because yes. we can experience that here now. That, that is it. Uh, so, the, you know, one of the last chapters in the book is, is heaven. And ultimately w- what heaven is, is, is standing firmly in your truth right now in this place of unity, of the flow. And, and then you do experience heaven on earth. Mm. Ah, a billion times to that. <laughs> to that experience <laughs> of unity of one while being two. <laughs> yes. Seems like it's the ultimate. What a beautiful conversation today. Thank you so much, Chris. Oh, uh, Maria. Thank everything. you so much for having me here. Oh, I know. Such a pleasure. Always, always. I'm sure we'll do it again. Oh, yes. I would love that. But before that, we say goodbye today. Again, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yes. So check out my website, sirak.com. You can find BU, The Journey of Self-Realization, on all the main Retailer sites, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Google, Apple Books, and so forth. I want to do announce that I'm coming out with the audiobook version. Yeah. I know it's been requested many times, and I'm uh, in the final final phases of that. So it's exciting for me, too, to just hear my voice. <laughs> mm, yeah, right? <laughs> ah, that's another interesting reflection, right? Listening to our own selves, our own voice. Um, what a yes. metaphor. Yes. Thank you so much again, Chris, in and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you, Valeria. Take thank you. Take care. Bye for now. Likewise. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Chris Zurich and his work, please visit Zurich.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.